0: That come through? Sure does. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right. So new plan for this interview. <laughs> no Hard talk- left turn. Yeah. No talking aloud this time. We're just, it's just going to be, here's, I'm going to place, I'm going to give you a musical question, like something like, and you give me a musical answer. Yeah. That's perfect. And then this is, this is me concurring. That's how the conversation
0: will go. Yep. <laughs> oh, don't get me started.
1: <laughs> okay. Don't get me started. Right. Well, but actually, this is this is an excellent way to start because, really, Jenna, like, I've been, I, I carry on hypothetical conversations with bagpipers in my brain pretty much constantly, yeah. and my hypothetical conversation with you has been actually. I don't, I don't want this to sound weird in any way, but I've been carrying on a hypothetical conversation with you for like a couple years now actually Uh, and and the first question in this hypothetical conversation is seriously though what if watson were an organ
0: right so yeah um i'm not gonna give
1: you any more than that that's where it starts i see that (laughs) i see
0: that what if Watson were an organ? So uh, you can tell me
1: about that project if you'd like to. I do, I do want to hear you talk about it. I know you did an interview with like a local news station or something. I did watch that a while ago, but but tell me yeah, about that project because I, I thought it was really cool. I'll
0: give you a little like elevator pitch on what mm-hmm. that piece was about. So, um, this local uh, pipe organ electronics duo called Earth World Collaborative approached me, and they they're always looking for new composers to work with to um, have pieces written for organ and electronics, because, like, how hard is it to find pieces already written for organ and electronics, you know?
1: Yeah, a bit of a niche thing, right?
0: No kidding. So, um, yeah, they approached me asking for a piece. I spent a good two years working on it. Which, how, like,
1: but how did they I, know to approach you in the first place?
0: Oh, um you know, how the music scene is like word of mouth. Um, wow. I was working in building pipe organs at the time, really? one of the, yeah. One of the guys working on the team at the company with me was doing an artist diploma at McGill in organ performance at the time. So he knew these other organists, they were at McGill. They connected us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a small community in Montreal. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, you're talking to a bunch of bagpipers right now. And so I think there's probably like some sort of camaraderie of like, you know, the small musical communities often spread out in diaspora, like how we connect to each other and stuff. But building pipe organs, I don't mean to like, I asked you to talk about a thing and now I'm distracting you from it. (laughs) But that sounds amazing. (laughs) What was that job like?
0: That was, as a music student, it's a dream job. It really is. Do you
1: have to like assemble them completely like in-house to make sure they work and then disassemble them to ship them i can't imagine yes. that the, the whole customer base is like in montreal right
0: that's exactly it so actually like the company i worked for a company in virginia and i worked for a company here in montreal and both of them most of our clients are were in the bible belt in the u.s because oh, sure, that's yeah. where the demand r- and the money for organs yeah. is right yeah. so Like, even the company here in Montreal, we shipped organs to Texas. We shipped Mm -hmm. organs to Virginia. Um, There's a couple here in Canada. There's one in Vancouver, but still, they're all over the place. And, like, a big project will be, you know, two or three years for Mm. 10 people's worth of work and a $2 million budget, maybe. Yeah. Like, they're big projects. So, yeah, we build everything from scratch, everything except for the screws, basically, Mm. from the ground up. It's all custom designed. Build it and assemble it in the shop and then have to disassemble it, ship it, rebuild it in the site. And then, like, then the fine-tuning and the voicing comes in and all the, yeah, yeah, the tweaking.
1: Do you guys have, like, in-house tweakers as it were who also like to (laughs) travel with the organ to like get it set up you know and to like do the tuning or would you like source that to an organ repairman in the in the area where it arrives
0: um a bit of both it kind of depends on what comes up but if it's just some like basic tuning or some basic mechanical repair then yeah somebody locally can do it if it's if it needs like a major mechanical overhaul or i don't know maybe some custom parts replaced it depends on what is available locally in the shops if they have the setup to make you know if they have to make a replacement eight foot pipe
1: mm-hmm.
0: it takes a big shop to do that you know
1: yeah but i've seen i i, I haven't i haven't been able to like go in but behind the scenes for a lot of pipe organs but i know that some of the stops say 32 foot is that really a 32 foot uh it well pipe? in some it is in my some it is goodness. yeah, That's yeah. Insane. There's you can get a flatbed um, trailer to deliver this <laughs> instrument. This is just amazing. <laughs> Not to mention, so, like, building an actual building to hold it once it arrives, right? Like, how many of these churches have to, like, either be constructed to, to make room for it or they have to, like, build an addition to the building for where to put this instrument?
0: Or knock out a space behind. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like,. When you start crawling around inside the organs and getting to look behind the walls and everything, yeah. you see some crazy stuff. Like, I've seen there's a really big cathedral in New York City that has true 32 foot pipes. Most mm. of them are capped, meaning they're stopped at 16 feet. And the pipe, when it's capped like that, it will sound a 32 foot length oh, sound wave. So, there's like there's tricks and there's ways to do it. Um, but this one massive cathedral like, has room for 32 feet, but even then the pipe, like the top of the pipe is actually made of this flexible hose that's just suspended across the ceiling because they couldn't fit it like <laughs> vertically all the way in the space. That's amazing.
1: It's that's hilarious. Like when you use, um, you use like vinyl tubing to extend your drones on your bagpipes to get like a lower note, It's right? like this <laughs> curly it. thing It's exactly that.
0: It's exactly <laughs> that on a massive scale. And so... Wow. Like looking at these pipes, and there's these crazy things called Haskell pipes, where like it's a pipe inside of a pipe, and so it ends oh. up being a much lower pitch than the pipe should play. And
1: really?
0: like I, I still don't fully understand how stuff like that's works. It's like this weird dark magic, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if. Like, if somebody had the knowledge, or maybe, I don't know, if I got, like, a research grant or something for it, if somebody could apply that to bagpipes, oh, like, man. just imagine the possibilities, yeah. you know?
1: Oh, that's, that's like, literally dreaming last night, this is what was in my mind. Like, there's this Australian bagpipe maker who makes, and, and like, I think Nate Banton does the same thing, these, like, contra base based drones that are... Similar to like illin pipe drones, you know, they get really, really yeah. low. And I just, yeah. I just dream of like how many drones could you fit into a stock? You know, could you get five, six in there? And what all could you do with them? You know, and like add holes up and down the side of them so you can uncork them and stuff. Like, that's yes. just cool stuff.
0: I mean, looking at the Lindsay system that's come out, oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's very much how the Haskell principle works. There's like these hidden, you know, hidden length inside the pipe right. itself. Yeah, yeah. So, But if if you took that principle and, like, cranked it up to 11, just imagine what we could do, you know?
1: Yeah. Man, this is too cool. Uh, I I can already feel that, like, I'm going to have a really hard time uh, sticking, being too cohesive here. (laughs) But that's not, that doesn't matter, right? It's fine. I think, I think I'm probably, I'm probably not way off in suspecting that just like there's a strange, maybe not strange, overlap of interest in accordions amongst bagpipers, I think that there's also a strong (laughs) interest in pipe organs. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of the things are like kind of the same things. In fact, now I think of it, isn't it... There there are even like double reed pipes in some organs, aren't there? Just like our chanters? Or or am I thinking wrong? Maybe that's not the case.
0: a good question. I haven't seen... I like don't a, think like I've seen I, I, any double reeds. Most I've seen of them single look reeds like, for like
1: sure. whistle fipples, right? Like there's like a, a cut yeah. into the pipe, and that's how it kind of whistles out, kind of.
0: Yeah, so there's fipple mouth pipes that are called flute pipes, and there's reed pipes that are just a very simple resonator, like it's basically a chanter with no holes, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they'll okay. have a single reed, like a single tongue reed at the base of that. Yeah.
1: Oh, I see. I see. So more like, yeah. more like one of our drone reeds, huh?
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Gotcha. gotcha. So yeah. any- anyway, we're Watson and Oregon. Tell me about that project. Sorry, Janice. <laughs> pull you off so quickly there.
0: I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Listen. Organ, as we go along, especially to identify the sounds of hutchings and steers. <laughs> Handle. In organ. yeah, the whole concept was, well, there was this uh, computer made by IBM, uh, I think in the nineties,
1: and it, it played I, chess, right? I think I remember, or did it play? Did it, it do? Did it win at Jeopardy once? Is that was that That's watch? it. That was it.
0: That's it. It's that computer. Like the whole point of it, it was the first computer to just teach itself. It was like the beginning of AI, right? Mm-hmm. So they basically fed it. The internet. They just gave it some, at first, some restricted reign to, you know, memorize Wikipedia and just ingest all this stuff and parse through it all. And then eventually, free reign to everything, the internet at large. And I looked at that and I thought, well, what if a musical instrument could do that? What if a musical instrument had artificial intelligence and what would it look like inside this? instruments computer brain to as it's churning through all this stuff and so i made this mashup also because i was like really starting to get into youtube at the time and looking at this mashup culture and um social media was still a bit young tiktok wasn't a thing or not a big thing at the time maybe and so looking at mashup culture looking at copyright infringement law and where are the boundaries where's the gray area on that um and it's okay so long as you take an excerpt that's less than like eight seconds right okay so what if i make like a 10 minute piece out of nothing but eight second references to like 50 different pieces of music you know (laughs) so it was a it was a lot of work but it was it was so much fun to just look at all these different ways i could juxtapose and mash together, you know, Bach on top of, um, I'm trying to remember my organ composers now, uh, oh, you Bach say on top name of Buxtehude, yeah. <laughs> 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 on top of list on top, like, just people from all across different eras of time, and what's it like when they're just smashed together?
1: Did, did you ever watch the comedy, the comedic stylings of Victor Borga, the piano guy?
0: I love Victor Borga. You, you know how Absolutely. you do that bit where
1: he would, like, take sheets of music and, like, just cut them with scissors and, like, yes. like paste them to each other? It sounds like this is, you know, like, he, he's doing the comedy version of exactly what this idea is, right? Like, oh, let's take a little bit of exactly lich, take a little bit of, you know, now nah, we'll play it as, as if it were happy birthday. Here we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I, I grew up watching him, so there's probably a bit of that in the inspiration. Yeah.
1: So, so so, here's the other thing that's been running through my head for a long time now, Janet, that I wanted to, I, feel like, uh, I thought, because of We're Watson in Oregon, I thought, Jenna's probably the perfect person to ask this. And I've tried Googling around and stuff. Have you, have you seen, like, like people do these, these things, like Netflix actually has done some where they'll feed comedy specials to an AI and have the AI write the stand-up jokes. And they're just, hor- they're hilarious because they're so horrible. It's very, like, Adult Swim style comedy. Like, it's, it's just funny because it's stupid, you know? Um, I
0: haven't seen it, but I, I love. I would love that kind of oh, thing. Oh,
1: there's a really good one that I don't know who produced it, but somebody took a bunch of Bob Ross episodes and fed oh, yes. The Joy of Painting to an AI, and then the AI wrote an episode of The Joy of Painting, of Joy of Painting with Bob Ross, right? And and it was like mostly normal, but then like one of the colors that he had on his palette was called Hot Baby. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> you know, it's like oh, there are no. these little things that come in that make you go, oh, okay, it's not a human, it's not a human. Oh no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And, uh, and and so like I, I all along I've been thinking to myself like what if I could feed an AI all of the Scots Guard books of tunes, and then I could go to the AI, you know, with with tags, you know, so it knows this is a six eight march, this is a two four, this is a sports, oh, cool. you know, etc. Right, and then I could go to it and say I would like a four part six eight march, and just have it generate one, you know. Yeah. But how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. You know. <laughs> have to well, translate it into bagpipe music writer format or something, you know, something that the AI can understand.
0: There was a computer developed at Stanford University, I think, called EMI. EMI, standing for Experiments in Musical Intelligence. And it did, it's designed to do that. They just feed it sheet music. Um, I'm not sure if they can just, if it can scan it and understand the sheet music, or if they have to turn it into some, you know, language it can understand. But the whole point is this computer can, like, break it down into the note duration patterns the way the melody moves all these idioms and if you feed it like 50 pieces by Chopin it'll spit out a new piece like perfectly in the style of Chopin right right? so I'm it's definitely doable and somebody hmm this was like 15 years ago but I spent a couple summer camps at the College of Piping in PEI did you really? S- That's so cool. Yeah. Have you ever gone? No. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful I there. I It's such a, it's a great way to just like detach from everything else and just focus on bagpiping, whether it's for a week or a month or some people go for a whole year, which would be a dream come true, right? Mm, yeah. Um, anyway, so somebody there had a mashup of marches that like, it was maybe half a bar to a bar of all these mass band marches that everybody knows. And when you're listening to it, you just had enough time to go, Oh, that's Scotland the Bra Oh wait, now it's on to another that's one. Something else. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. It's such a cool effect. Yeah. yeah. I would love to do something like that at someday.
1: Hmm. That is super cool. So so then Jenna, where like tell me tell me your story. Like where does this all start? Because like I've I've explored your YouTube channel and you got other instruments in there. You've also got like J- not just were Watson and Oregon there are other pieces on here that are bagpipe specific that are like so obviously experimental not only in the instrumentation but also like you know you're messing with with what scale you're working with in the first place using using tape you're, you're you've got pretty complex rhythms going on like you you're a person who obviously uh, enjoys and respects the the tradition but also obviously has kind of a you know kind of a scatter Scatter spread effect of, of of interests and stuff, right? So, like, where does it all start? How'd you get started in music, and where were all the twists and turns? Tell me your life story.
0: Yeah, well, you touched on accordion earlier, and uh it all started with Weird Al, man. <laughs> there was, yeah. How many stories have begun <laughs> this way, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, growing up, I listened to a lot of Dr. Demento, I listened to a lot of Weird Al, and I think that just cemented my future as, like, a niche musician.
1: <laughs> like, Dr. Demento was huge for me, too, Jen. I can yeah? definitely relate there, yeah. Before I even knew what it was, I was aware of the songs, you know? Like, I was, like, it was, like, a, a, a part of the air I was breathing from a very young age. Yeah. My my baby brother sang fish heads as, like, part of his, like, <laughs> oh, learning no. to speak English as a little baby, you know? Yep. Yeah.
0: Oh, I still know all the words to that song too. That's
1: a good one, even the rap oh, that's part, scary. Italian sweaters <laughs> and all that—that's impressive.
0: <laughs> Drinking cappuccino. Yep.
1: <laughs> We're cut from the same the same wow. initial mold, Jen. I understand you.
0: <laughs> that's crazy. I bet we have a lot of stuff in common if we really get you down. You start to it. there,
1: you know. You can't help yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But go so, on. T- tell me more. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I like. When I was sort of thinking about what I wanted to talk about on this interview with you on this Mm -hmm. podcast, I was like, okay, well, we're going to talk about bagpiping stuff. So I can talk about this. I can talk about that. And then I heard one of your interviews with somebody else and you guys got to talking about musical theater. And I was like, oh, yeah, we have that in common. Yeah. When I was nine, I did like... um, I sang in Jesus Christ Superstar, you know? Hey, that's a big one.
1: That's a big show. That's a show so, that might have, might, maybe has never been allowed to play in Utah, where I live. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it like, on TV and video, right? But like never live. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if there are any school boards that would allow it even today.
0: Yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I was in San Diego at the time. So oh, well, that's the perfect place. We got away with all kinds of things, you know? <laughs> anyway, so... All that is to say, like, my backstory, I started with um, piano, a little bit of, like, very small musical theater just at my school, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, but, but where? I'm, ca- I'm catching all kinds of geography. Where did you grow up, too?
0: Yeah, I grew up in Carlsbad oh, right uh, in California, just half an hour north of San Diego. So, uh started there. I took piano lessons uh, from the age of six, uh, got into choirs a little bit, but when I was 11 we moved up to montreal so we immigrated my dad had a job up here so then we settled up here i got dual citizenship and everything um
1: wait this is too per- i i think of you as jenna bagpipes but isn't your last name denizen it is yeah you- and you are a denizen you're, why you're a denizen I mean- of, Can- of canada <laughs> i am <laughs> look at that that's amazing it's it was
0: meant to be something you know?
1: came full circle there at some yeah. point in the future, in, in the past, I've got to imagine that one of your ancestors must have, like, been a denizen of some country, right? And so then, like, the last name carries on, and, and there you are, uh, immigrating yourself. There you go.
0: And maybe I'll immigrate again. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm having a hard time <laughs> interrupting. Please, please uh, carry on.
0: So, uh, yeah, piano, choirs, Weird Al, Dr. Demento ended up in Montreal, and Montreal has such there's such a a value and emphasis put on heritage and culture and the scottish community here is just a great community Mm. so then when i was 15 my parents took me on this road trip through the maritimes and the music in the maritimes is incredible like um ashley McIsaac, all the uh, natalie mcmaster like these amazing musicians come out of the maritimes right Mm So, we were on this camping trip. I was kind of soaking up this culture, um, listening to Buddy Wess's name and the other fellers, which is sort of the Newfie That's version fun. of Weird Al, I yeah. guess you could say. Um,
1: now, are, are the Maritimes... Is that is that like Prince Edward Island, kind of? I know it's, it's East, right? It's Eastern Canada?
0: Eastern Canada, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Newfoundland, PEI. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Okay. Carry on.
0: So, lots of... I mean, Nova Scotia literally means New Scotland, right? There's lots right. of Celtic heritage. There's a lot of the Celtic music still very much alive, kitchen parties, Cayleys, that kind of thing.
1: That's the whole uh the Cape Breton flavor of of piping is is centered there, yeah?
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we were driving through Cape Breton and we went to my first Highland Games, I was like fifteen. Oh. And I just looked at it and I was like, you know what? That looks like fun. I think I'm going to do that. And we bought a practice chanter, and we got the College of Piping tutor book, Classic. and I just started teaching. Yeah, just started teaching myself in the back of the car for nothing else to do. Oh, great! And, great road
1: trip activity. And and at that point, your you had picked up the you, you know piano, choirs, all that kind of stuff. So it was like musical notation was relatively comfortable for you to read. You could you could sit and look and figure it out.
0: Yeah. So not- notation was no problem. I didn't really play by ear yet, but with the choir, that was starting to come together and bagpiping oh, yeah. really reinforced that. Mm. Piano, like, piano and bagpipes could not be more opposite, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also a... started with piano and then eventually found my way to bagpipes. About the same age, actually. I think I was 14 when I picked up bagpipes. And Really? Yeah, definitely, definitely a different thing.
0: How? What's your story? How did you come around to, you know, make that jump there?
1: Oh, I was told from a very young age that I would play bagpipes. It was always expected. It was going to okay. happen someday. My parents, I, I get a bit hyperbolic about it, perhaps, but my parents, at least one of the reasons they were attracted to the town where they bought a house when I was like three or four years old was that that town's high school had a bagpipe band. And so the intention was our kids will grow up here and learn to play bagpipes. And wow. of seven kids, I'm still the only one. So I'm still their favorite.
0: <laughs> wow. It. Is that like uh, do you get better Christmas presents? How does this uh, does it get you any bonuses? I feel
1: like it should. I, I maybe <laughs> should take that up with my parents. I feel like they're you know I didn't, you know what it get you know what it gets me is they bought me a set of bagpipes when I was a teenager and those are still my pipes today. That's probably yes. really what it gets me is that they bought my bagpipes my
0: sweet sixteen. <laughs> I didn't get a car for my sweet sixteen. I got a set of pipes and that's what I still play today. There
1: you go, so yes. much better. <laughs> So were um, you like a Nancy Drew learning the bagpipes? Where By which I mean, like, by the time you were back home, you were already a pro. You could play Scots Wahay and everything, and it was no problem.
0: Oh, gosh, no. No, I remember, like, my very first meeting with, uh, we found a teacher when we got back home. I think, like, a month later, I had a first lesson with him, and he said, okay, just show me the scale. Show me whatever you know. He had a, a Scottish accent. I won't try to imitate it, but anyway, mm. it was really nice to listen to him teach. Um, very authentic. So he, yeah, and so he said, play me the scale, and I played it, thinking with my piano brain, I played it from A to A, and he was oh, like, sure. you forgot low G. Mm. <laughs>
1: so,
0: oh, yeah. Anyway, um, it, I remember trying to figure out Scott's Wahey at the piano to figure out how it sounded. Oh, yeah. Because I was still fumbling so much with the fingering on Chanter but like trying to play a D throw on piano. And I was like, this doesn't sound right. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it took a long time to, I don't know. I mean, I was a quick learner because the, the theory and the music notation was already there, but there's still the concepts of like, playing a wind instrument, also music that has no rests. You just have to figure out where to breathe on your own. Right. Um, yeah. Concepts like crossing noises were totally foreign to me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did it, I, I'd imagine it probably throws everybody off when you first get onto the bag too. And it's like, you don't like, if you try to breathe rhythmically, it's really going to screw you up. You like have to like disconnect your breathing from your playing. Maybe that's yeah. more a challenge for people who are really coming from, like, a, like if they've been playing clarinet or trumpet or something like that for a while, especially, you know. But. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. My Well, I teach full-time now. Um,
1: Bagpipes full-time, or do you teach other stuff, too?
0: Well, I was teaching piano just until last October, but uh, there were so many, like course plans and pedagogies and Mm -hmm. everything to keep track of now i've cut back to just teaching bag piping full-time i was also promoted to director of the montreal piping and drumming school last season yeah that's pretty darn cool so it's a nice feather in the cap so
1: what does that mean exactly is that school like something that uh is it like a a full-on school that includes a strong piping program or is it like you know uh like people go there you know just to learn piping and drumming kind of thing
0: so it's an extracurricular thing. Right now it's just Thursday nights. Um, we have like five separate classes that happen every Thursday evening. Um, so we offer four different levels of Chanter classes from absolute beginner to fourth year and as well as a piping class. So just getting people started from the ground up with the goal of supporting local bagpipe bands. So. In those four years they're supposed to get the fundamentals down and learn all their mass band tunes get the basics of bagpipe technique down and then off to a pipe band you go
1: then you can send them out into the world to, to bolster the ranks of, of the various pipe bands
0: exactly exactly
1: that sounds really cool for for a little while here in salt lake city there was a place i think it was just called like the celtic arts center or something that in a similar way had like Piping classes uh, and drumming classes and then also like Highland dance classes or something like that, right? Maybe they had like some penny whistle classes, stuff like that too, you know, just like a place for instructors and students to all gather. It doesn't exist anymore, but, you know, I sure wish it did. I need an eccentric millionaire to, to or, well, these days, an eccentric billionaire to, to move in, you know, and take interest in the in the Celtic arts here. That'd be cool. Oh,
0: yeah, wouldn't that be nice?
1: Even better. <laughs> I need to become an eccentric billionaire. I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. We just we just have to win the lottery. That's, all. That's I thought, all.
1: I thought it was really funny. It comes to my mind a lot. I was talking to uh, my buddy Jeremy, who actually, I think you might know Jeremy too, via social media and stuff like that. He's the way yeah. to twag guy. Yeah. Um, when, when he got his job at, at the university where he teaches now, we were just talking back and forth about, you know, jobs and money and stuff like that. And he said something I thought was so funny. He said something like, you know, something like, I recognize that like, you know, there's an immoral amount of money for one person to hoard and all that kind of stuff. But the, the punchline, what he said, was something like, I think that I could probably be a really good rich person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be good at that. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like, I would do really good things, you know? Like, I'd be really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what about you, though? Did you join a pipe band at some point there in your, you know, the second half of your teenage years, or, or did that never come into it, or not till much later?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty quickly, I joined uh, I joined a local civilian band, um, started taking lessons with a pipe major there, uh, this was with the Montreal Pipes and Drums, um, later I became the pipe major of the band, I'm still active and sort of helping a little bit with admin, and helping bring gigs to the band so Mm -hmm. I'm still involved with them too but trying to yeah trying to feed all the bands in Montreal and just support the community at large as best I can now that now that I'm really free to focus on this full time and I'm as connected as I am in Montreal trying to really do good with it you know that's awesome yeah
1: are there are there a lot of competitive pipe bands in Montreal proper or like between Montreal Ottawa what else is over there Quebec Like a lot of different bands that such that you could like have little competitions there and stuff just with the local groups or.
0: Yeah, we do have, uh, we do have the Montreal Highland games and we have competitions here. There's, I mean, everything's been turned upside down since the pandemic. So we're still sort of coming back to it, but I think what we're coming back to this year probably will be two competing bands in montreal out of the four the four major pipe bands that will do parades in the greater montreal Mm -hmm. area Mm -hmm. plus yeah i joined the glengarry pipe band which they're in maxville so um, i do competitions with them and go out to their practices now there's tons and tons of bands more towards the toronto direction i think there's more celtic descendants down there than quebec
1: yeah. Do you feel like well I guess I don't really know is I, I I guess I would have imagined that Toronto would be more more densely populated too but maybe that's not the case maybe Montreal it is oh, it, it is, is. Okay.
0: yeah
1: yeah gotcha gotcha well um what like what in the first place even got your family into Canada is there a history there or was there family up there and also did in your family is there a history of musicality or are you the odd one out
0: No I started piano because my mother plays piano ah. yeah. Yeah, there's music there. There's never been a bagpiper or, like, a Highland musician of any kind in my family, though. Mm. So, um, like, my parents were really supportive (laughs) when I said, hey, you know, I want to take up this really loud and obnoxious instrument. Yeah,
1: good parents.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yep.
1: But that that move from Carlsbad over to Montreal is also, like, one of the biggest geographical moves you could have made on the continent. I mean, I don't know. You could have gone from Florida to Alaska or something, right? But that's pretty far, too. So, like... Yeah, yeah. They were not only willing to it's i don't know they, are your parents like very very open to new experiences like willing to let their child learn the bagpipes and also willing to like go so far away from where they had been living
0: yeah yeah for sure well my dad's job uh, he's retired now but he traveled a lot he was uh, an aerospace contractor so that's what brought us up here mm-hmm. he got a job with um the company bombardier the uh, bombardier so
1: yeah uh, yeah yeah, y'all canadians with your French, go on
0: (laughs) show it off um yeah that's what brought us up here and then the the job that contract stuck for a while so we settled here and um he, I mean, he ended up working in other places like Baltimore and Belgium. After that, he still moved around a little bit. But our home base has been Montreal for a long time. And actually, my folks are back in Arizona now. They retired oh, back they? where the weather is is sensible. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, down toward Arizona. That's a that's a direction folks like to head when they retire. That's for sure. Um, yeah. It just it seems to me like even even like even the, uh, a willingness to turn on something like Doctor Demento. It it just it speaks to like a a certain like. Oh, kind of, maybe kind of a loose hold on the seriousness of life, like willing to let things be fun, you know, and stuff like that, that like, I don't know. I just, something I enjoy is just like imagining what, what are all the elements that went into the soup, you know, to make this like, this, like uh, this sort of like uh, the milieu, if I may also use a French word, uh, (laughs) from from which the person (laughs) I'm talking to came, you know, like what all went together to make, you know, you, who you are today, you know, all of the conditions and stuff that made it possible for that to happen.
0: Yeah, well, let me turn that back around, because what, what do you think it takes to make us, like, to give a kid permission to be so counterculture and just be weird? I mean, it's, you know, when you're in a pipe band, it's not counterculture. You're doing what the other people yeah, around totally. you are doing. But when you, like, uh, one of my favorite memories was I was 15. I had, oh, no, I was 16. I I'd just gotten my set of pipes, like, maybe a few months before before but i had to give a french class oral presentation and for some reason like having a set of bagpipes when i was i was a very shy teenager and french classes having moved up here from california and being behind on Mm. the french language and everything um bagpipes became this like superhero cape i could put on you know yeah i struggled with public speaking i struggled with like you know uh, just kind of social anxiety and especially being embarrassed that my French accent was very bad at the time and mm-hmm. so having to give a French roll presentation I was like I'm gonna bring my bagpipes and use them for the presentation and yeah. that seemed like a great <laughs> idea I think my French teacher was less than thrilled but you know the other students in my class thought it was funny
1: as long as you call it what corn is what they call it right corn- right, yeah, right right so as long as you use that then it, it's French so it yes
0: yeah. It counts. Yeah. So what do you, like, what do you think it takes to give a kid that? I think that is really,
1: it, it is a really interesting thing where like I, I myself, my, my oldest child is 11 years old right now. And it's some. he's like on the cusp of what can be the most awesome, at least in my memory, some of the most awesome years of childhood, but also it can be some of the most painful, you know, terrifying and stressful years of childhood going into teenagerhood, you know? And, uh, and, and it's, so it's something that's been on my mind for a while here because I, like, what things, what, like, there were times in my own childhood where, like, all I wanted to do was, was blend in, you know, and, you know, I wanted, it could be something as trivial as, like, a hairstyle or something like that, you know, but then, like, what, why did some things seem cool to be different, you know what I mean? And yeah. there's even, like, that weird thing where it's, like, I think I'm being different, but I'm actually being the same as all my friends were being different together, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really don't know what the secret sauce is. You know what? Because like I want my child, my children, all of them to to be able to like feel confident in that they're doing what they like to do, whatever that is, whether it's popular. Like if it's popular, they're still doing it because they love it. And if it's not popular, they're still doing it because they love it. You know what I mean? But I don't That's know how beautiful. to provide that to them, you know, like, like proactively, you know, like can you like, is that a thing you can do or does it just happen by magic? I don't know.
0: <laughs> hmm. Well, that's beautiful. And I guess, like, if I think back to my, you know, how I came around to the pipes and why I chose it, I think the timing was everything. Mm. Um, Like, my parents really exposed me to tons of stuff. They took me to lots of concerts. They took me to lots of just, you know, Uh, museums or parades or activities, this, that, and the other, exposing exposing to all kinds of cultures and opportunities and just options to see what's out there. And I think it just happened that, like, when I was at that age, I was looking for that identity and what made me different, Mm. and the family heritage tied into that. Mm. So then bagpiping was, like, weird enough that it fit with me, but yeah the timing i think timing was a big part of it
1: that's an interesting point yeah like um if you're like ready ready for that superhero cape that thing that would make you a little bit different maybe that's it it. that's it i think it's interesting too i don't have any sort of like empirical data empirical data or anything like that right but just like just just from talking to people it's you you mentioned that you were kind of shy you know i don't feel like Mm -hmm. that's an uncommon experience and maybe that's like maybe it's part of the human experience that all of us are going through a, a period of shyness at some point. But I wonder like how much does something that's like kind of weird and pretty darn loud, like the bagpipes, you know, like really appeal to somebody who maybe is a little shy. And like it, I begin to suspect that we might actually have a large cohort of, you know, shy people <laughs> playing bagpipes. <laughs> hmm. You know what I mean?
0: I love it. It's that would make sense to me. And it's, like, the piping community, the people who are playing pipes now has changed so much compared to, like, a 100 years ago, right?
1: What, you mean, like, because girls can play now?
0: Well, because <laughs> girls can play, but also the fact that it was such a military-dominated yeah. instrument, and yeah. so it the stereotype wasn't this shy person. It was very much, like, Kinda the macho and tough and guy that, yeah. thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, but... A- yeah, go
1: ahead. The the you, you mentioned you know going out there to the to, to the to the eastern you know the eastern throes of Canada and you know the piping scene out there and stuff like that. It's it's precisely Barry Shears um, that like via you know our mutual friend Jeremy that it's only through him that I know about Barry Shears and it, but it's precisely his work, and, well in and Matt Seattle and some others too that like I've only I've only in the last few years begun to become aware that like there was piping pre military tradition you know mm-hmm. and like I, i'm not saying that like uh, c- sometimes i do say things about like our strict rules about competition and stuff like that that i actually regret later um jd ingram who does the voice of the uh the the weekly drone on on the big rab show recently i thought put together like a really poignant lovely description of why like it's okay to have competition and like competition presents unique uh uh challenges and you know being creative within the rules is like part of part of it you know and stuff like that like I I'm sorry I'm I'm spread all over the place here, but what I'm trying to say is that like, I I only recently became aware that like there's other piping traditions outside of the MSR and the military tradition, you know, like kitchen piping and and it's not just small pipes either, like Highland pipes. Well, even like the high B thing, right? Like I thought yep. the high B playing a high B on on a Highland bagpipe chanter, I was like, whoa, what is this crazy new innovation, right? And then Jeremy's talking about how like. Pipe makers in Eastern Canada used to put a notch through the high A hole precisely for this. So you had a spot to stick your thumb. It's like that was a thing, and it's almost like I feel like maybe I was oh. just unaware of it, but it's like we collectively have forgot it for a while. We're like rediscovering some some you know ancient root in a way, you know.
0: Wow. No, I hadn't heard about that notch, but that's. Oh yeah. I mean, it blew This high B thing. <laughs> Yeah, this high B thing is new to me. Like, yeah, new to me too. I mean, for sure. you and Jeremy have been a big part of my inspiration lately. For like, okay, what else can the chanter do? Like, I've been, I've been so itching for a long time for, you know, a different type of chanter or something with some more mm, possibilities. Jenna, like,
1: w- w- would you say you've had itchy fingers?
0: Oh, but um. <laughs> witchy itchy fingers maybe hey there we go yeah um just a little nod to your bagpipe swag store I appreciate Not it. That thank I'm, you kindly yeah i'm sure your listeners already know all about it but. i hope so
1: i sure talk about it a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah i've been so itching for like uh, like the the chanter only nine notes it's so limited right and when you're coming from piano when you're coming from an instrument that has 88 yeah, 88 notes yeah. and <laughs> dynamics you can play at different oh, right, volume yeah. levels like these things is you're so hungry for them when you play bagpipes but then yeah like uh you're the new chanter that you're talking about or hearing about these high B things, it's like, okay, there's, there's ways to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this can work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to like bag on, on tradition in any way. Like it's, it's an amazing thing, and uh, if nothing else, I often think about how it's like. It's an amazing like time capsule, you know. Like, how much would be lost if we didn't have strict rules for competition and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But you know, if you only have one thing, you don't know about the other things, and when you find about the other things, it kind of blows your mind and it's exciting, you know.
0: That's it. Well, I think you know we need both. We need the yeah. old and we need the new, and it's so like it's so important to have people like Jeremy who are going through all these old tunes and just like doing the research, doing the documentation, and I, as a composer, um, you know, I have a terrible brain for history, I'll be honest, Mm -hmm. and I'm so motivated to do stuff that's new, and it's, I think we're long overdue for, um, yeah, some really weird bagpipe music
1: long overdue for some weird stuff amen i'm with you yeah <laughs> yeah i, I, I don't really know if you've uh... too. Uh, it, like his the hours that he puts into that podcast and i just get to sit back and soak it in i feel i feel almost guilty about how much work one person is doing and i just get to take all the cream off the top for my own enjoyment you know <laughs> but sorry go on you I, I interrupted you there
0: well i don't know if you've listened to like um some of the people that are doing really new, really creative stuff with pipes these days. Jordan Alexander Key is a piper in Florida, I believe, who wrote a microtonal peabroch.
1: No, I'm googling right now.
0: Yeah, what was his it, last name? Keys. Key K E Y. Yeah, so his piece is definitely worth listening to. Um, what else? Julia Wolf has a couple of really weird pieces weird in a good way obviously i'm embracing the word weird here absolutely Um, it's and it's very textural like it's not about the melody it's just about using the striking of the drones as this long minimalist texture Mm. or chanter slides um like bending slurring up the chanter as a texture what else? Even corn, even the metal band Korn they do some really interesting stuff with like the digital ma- manipulation of the sound and mm, looping. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I've got, I've got Jordan Alexander's thing pulled up. I'm going to check it out after the interview for sure. Have you, yeah. have you, you know that uh, Dr. Bagpipe guy? Uh, yeah. Matthew Welch. Yeah. Matthew Welch. He just put out, he put out, well, just barely, I don't know. Was that a year ago? I, I can't remember now, but he put out his, uh, his like his thesis that he'd written in, in book form. It's yeah kale kale new he, is that what he called it Kaol navu Kaol novu anyway um, it just i i i should not pretend to understand a lot of what he wrote in that book because a lot of it really does feel like a little bit beyond me like i need to i need to give that book another two or three times through before i start grasping all of it but it, it just feels like he's speaking to a lot of the same things that like um you know there's there's more here there's some untapped potential here we can we can dig deeper and find more stuff
0: Oh, absolutely! And, and in when general, you think of it,
1: feel like like if you don't mess around, you never find out. So we all got to mess around, you know. Like <laughs> let's mess around, guys.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Let's do something dissonant. Not everything has to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. consonant and perfectly in tune. I think.
1: It's that's also like it can be um, very intimidating, you know, to step outside the bounds. But it also can be really, really freeing because, and, like, maybe this is just me being selfish about it, right? But like, it, think, it it occurs to me that, like, well, if I'm gonna, if I if I say I'm gonna do something experimental, and then my drones aren't perfectly in tune, I could just be like, yeah, that's part of the experiment, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> <it's> fine.
0: <laughs> Anything goes. I'm making the rules.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Jenna, who do you who do you think now that you've been playing for a while and like you you performed a lot and stuff like that you you know you're putting stuff on YouTube, um, but you know your family's been there for the for the whole journey and everything like that. Right now, who do you think is your biggest fan? Who who do you think like would get most excited if you got out your pipes? They go like, "Oh yeah, I'm so excited to hear from you."
0: Whoa, um, that's a tough question.
1: we should probably all acknowledge that uh, most mothers would feel bad if you don't say your mom, but that, <laughs> well, yeah. we, we could take that off the table and say, obviously your mom is your biggest fan. Obviously now, my aside mom. Aside from your mom, who yeah. else do you think really loves hearing you play? Um, and you can swallow all pride at this point, right? You don't have to pretend like, you, well, well, by which I mean like, you don't have to, you can say anything and it we won't, it won't come across as prideful. Cause I'm asking you who likes hearing you play. You know what I mean?
0: Um, it's, Honestly, like th- I'm thinking of there's like 10 or 20 people who've really just since I started going online and becoming more public with piping and focusing on it more full time. There's these people who have just been like the sweetest supporters mm-hmm. and the kind of people that subscribe to my Patreon. Some of them are students. Some of them are like... um the The Legion Manager, who makes our band practices possible, she's just like the sweetest or um, the students at the piping school, my private students. Y- like it's so it's so touching when I can tell that they they get it and they value, they really value what I do and they believe in they just believe in piping, you know, oh, they believe mm-hmm. in the creativity. and, I can tell that they're willing to support on my Patreon whatever whatever whack a cockamaney ideas I have next.
1: And they <laughs> and just you've like, had a few. They've been yep. it's been a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: That's a great chance to, to like tell me about that. Your system if I if I'm understanding it right from watching some of the YouTube videos, it's something like you uh like Uh, people can sponsor a playthrough like a tune explanation with transcription and here's how to play it kind of thing and that will become public but also like some of your videos you put out you'll have like sheet music for them uh, available to patrons that kind of is that kind of the model tell tell me all about it how your how your business runs it at present
0: yeah so i do a lot of different things i um mostly teaching privately also available for hire for performing but the online part of my business. I'll record tutorials on commission. I'll make transcriptions for my patrons. Um, I make little extra bonus material available to my subscribers on Patreon, especially stuff that I use for my students. If I see, oh, you know, um, most of my students are struggling with this thing, I notice there's something missing from bagpipe pedagogy, or this is just a common problem that comes up, I'll make some exercises, uh, for example, like just technique exercises for getting more comfortable playing notes while squeezing the bag and getting more fluent with that breathing detachment, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, So stuff like that I'll make available on my Patreon and I'll make available to my students extra, like I do a lot of private YouTube recordings that I don't put out publicly, but their demonstrations of, you know, how to play this grace note or how to do mm-hmm. this rhythmic thing.
1: Is, is most of your are most of your private students online, or do you have a lot of in person students too?
0: Mostly in person, actually.
1: Oh, right on. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd imagine that's got to be an easier way to teach and learn for both parties, and so it's great that you have enough people there locally that you know that that's the thing.
0: Yeah, oh, and it's so amazing how much the online world has exploded and become much more accessible since the pandemic too, that we can offer online lessons because a couple of my students live in rural areas and they can't get teachers locally, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's super cool. Now, now if you were um, like, I don't want you to feel like you're under, under any pressure here or anything like that, but has there ever been a thought given toward potentially producing like uh, listenable Well, not, the, not that the stuff you put out isn't listenable I didn't mean that <laughs> I just mean an album, that's all I'm trying to get at if you ever thought about putting out an album uh, Be it of, of covers, originals, experiments, etc By listenable I just meant like In the format of a CD kind of thing <laughs> You know <laughs> yeah it's like all of this stuff you've done so far is fine jenna but could you do something that's listenable
0: <laughs> well i don't know if you heard the versions of scotland the brave i put out recently I sure but did, i wasn't yeah. going for listenable you no, know I, I, I like that
1: I like flatten those notes heck yeah <laughs>
0: um i the problem is i have too many ideas like there's a lot of stuff i want to do yeah um definitely putting out an album is a is an idea on the back burner putting out a uh, collection of sheet music is an idea on the back burner yeah yeah. Yeah, it's i'm still kind of spitballing and seeing what catches on what people want what kinds of pieces land and also at the same time when it's stuff that's just creative for me i kind of like that it isn't monetized on youtube or monetized on spotify because then I'm really just doing it for me. Yeah. The the really weird stuff, I'm. It's separate. It's kind of it's kind of sacred, and I'm not expecting anything back from it. Whereas, you know, transcriptions of a pop song, yeah, I'll monetize that stuff because that's not you know I'm not putting my my soul into that stuff. But maybe yeah, maybe someday if I get enough um, original pieces built up, if I get enough. Uh, enough transcriptions done i'll publish some stuff another dream i have actually is uh like i teach out of my home right now but someday i'd like to get a studio that's just you know the place where i teach and Mm. also make it a hangout so that scottish musicians in the montreal area can have jam sessions there and oh heck yeah yeah. I mean, all that is to say there's tons of ideas. There's always tons of stuff in the pipeline.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, not that not that I'm the arbiter of what an artist can or can't do, but I do feel like I've encountered artists, you know, that like sometimes you have a project where you go, I'm going to write this tune book, you know, but that at other times it's like over the course of, you know, a decade of just doing your thing Suddenly, you look around and you realize, "Oh, I've got enough like disparate pieces of music here. If I just pull them together into a binder, it's a tune book. Oh, oh well, there we go. I've got a tune book. You know, uh, yeah. Shoot, who knows? Yeah. How, who, who knows how the spaghetti's going to stick to the wall, right?
0: Exactly. That's that's the best thing about where social media is at these days. Is you can do these little micro pieces, just mm-hmm. thirty seconds, even just fifteen seconds of a little snippet of a tune, a little video of this, and just test it out and see how it lands.
1: Yeah, uh, totally. So do you do you find time to, like, I'm saying this with air quotes, practice, like where you just get to just sit down and work on something for yourself? Or is it more like the development of your playing at this point happens like in action while you're teaching other people or working on a video, et cetera?
0: It's a bit of both, I mm. think. Um, I, d- I do make time to practice for sure Yeah. something I've noticed with teaching is if I don't have um, if I don't have any new material coming in to my brain it's really hard to be giving it back hmm. and putting information out if you know what I mean
1: totally I think that makes a lot of sense yeah it, it seems to me like like for a lot of us if we get stale with are playing then yeah our teaching like it's all maybe at least one aspect of that is that we kind of forget what it's like to learn something new and so then we're kind of out of touch with the student because we're we, we've been coasting for so long we're not learning new things ourselves
0: exactly yeah exactly it gets stale it gets gets imbalanced and I mean that's why I joined a competition band to keep myself you know driven and challenged and playing with other people that really yeah, challenge me as a player and are giving me new food for thought on like mm. this way to play a stress or this type of slow air
1: mm. yeah that totally makes sense well what about so when you do play though like what's your situation like with your neighbors do they do they know you as that's the bagpipe <laughs> house over there you know like do you have any neighbors that go running inside when they see you come out into the yard or yeah or you do? exactly <laughs>
0: i'm so montreal is like a fairly dense city it's um i don't know what are we two and a half million people maybe now and i live in a condo building and my neighbors are so patient
1: (laughs) have you invested in like an electronic bagpipe or something to give them a break (laughs)
0: Uh, no, (laughs) not even, not even, they're really gracious. And I, uh, you know, I remind them that it's so appreciated because it's not just me, it's also my students and, you know, new pipers making squeaks and squawks. And that's just part of the game. Um, but my neighbors are totally cool with it. And, um, this past summer, like my neighbor, it was his birthday. I went to play happy birthday outside of his place, but... Do you know the game Pokemon Go? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so I also play that game, and I'm in like a Facebook group for the lo- local players. And I didn't know it, but one of the other Go players in that group lives just upstairs from this guy. Oh, really? <laughs> and so I play him happy birthday, and it's just like a quick, you know, 30 seconds in and out. And then later, I see on the Facebook message group for the game, Hey, the bagpipe lady is playing outside my window again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You get on there and be like, how annoying. I hate it did bagpipes. I had a bagpipe lady living near me once. It was the worst.
0: (laughs) I mean, part of the Montreal culture is that people are really appreciative of just like weird performance art, stuff like that. Like there's a big circus culture here. And so... I think that's part of it. Um, People think it's really cool if they're walking down the street and they see this thing they've never seen before and they're really curious and they're really interested and it starts all kind of interesting conversations. Um, But I've also learned to be really respectful of not practicing in the same place all the time. Uh,
1: Yeah, kind of set up a rotation.
0: Yeah, I set up a rotation. I have a, a regular place at a local park that I'll go practice in that's like, far enough away from people i know i'm not going to bother the you know people who live right across the street kind of thing
1: yeah yeah there was um i think it was a really great piece of wisdom that came to us from the infamous el chapo um down here on the united states southern border some something the a theory that goes something like don't poop where you sleep (laughs) yep yep so (laughs) think about who you want to keep happy and go go make your noise somewhere else right
0: (laughs) yep yep what about you? Do you live in the city?
1: Uh, I mean, I do in as far as like, quote unquote, city goes in Utah County, Utah, like, the entire county has like, m- maybe 650,000 people in, in the whole county. And I live in one of the most densely populated parts of the county. But it's, you know, it's, it's a it's a it's, it's pretty spread out. Uh, it's it's easy to be away from people very, very quickly. So, I I, I haven't had any problems that I know of yet with neighbors though. I've also been living here for like a decade and I have had the neighbors on the one side of our house. That house has changed owners three times. So maybe that's a factor. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody else has left the neighborhood, but they they have several times now. So I don't know. Actually for a little while, my good friend, Kevin was renting my basement from my wife and I, he and his wife were renting our, our basement and he plays bagpipes too. And, at the time, we had another friend who was living just two blocks away who also played bagpipes. So we had a really intense period in the neighborhood of bagpipers um, for a couple years there. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even a lot for us because, like, <laughs> it was like sometimes I'd be playing my pipes out in the backyard and Kevin would come out and he'd be, you know, somewhat jokingly because of course we're friends, you know, but he'd also be like, "Hey, if you're gonna play them, could you at least tune your drones?" <laughs> Or he'd come over and he'd just walk up and not say a word and just tune my drone for, you know, like, just move my middle tenor a little bit for me and then go back inside. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Oh, sorry.
0: Well, and it's hard enough playing an instrument that when you practice, you know people can hear you. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's not like you can get it ready and then present it to the public. (laughs) It's all public.
0: (laughs) And when you practice, you just want to be free to make mistakes and not be heard, right? And then on top of that if you know piper is listening to you oh it's Isn't even worse. That the
1: most stressful thing in the world oh like i when know I, when I, whenever i play any gig i'm just like that is the thing that's foremost in my mind is like how many like incognito pipers will there be you know in the crowd and <laughs> those are the people who i'm playing for really
0: oh yeah or like competitions when you're oh, final yeah. tuning in front of the judge yeah oh yeah, <laughs> oh.
1: yeah yeah um now this is this is a little bit uh off the bat but i i am curious like genuinely curious does pineapple as a pizza topping get up there into eastern canada or is that not much of a thing up there
0: (laughs) no we have hawaiian pizza up here yeah you
1: do huh it's a thing but is what maybe this is a really tired joke but like seriously though canadian bacon is that do you just call it ham or what what do you what do you do with canadian bacon up there
0: that's not a thing here that's like fried egg rolls it's I mean, not in Quebec anyway. We don't have a different kind of bacon.
1: <laughs> but like, because I know that, like I'm, when I watch the Great British Baking Show or the, the Bake Off, as they would call it across the pond right. there, right? Um, they talk about stripy bacon, which oh. from what I understand is what I would call bacon. But then I have this word Canadian bacon that by which I really just mean like ham chopped up tiny. I don't know why it's called that here, you know, but like it's like if you're making a Hawaiian pizza, are you putting is it do they say pineapple and ham?
0: <laughs> or do they say pineapple and Canadian bacon?
1: <laughs> right. Well, here they say pineapple and Canadian bacon, right? But like, what do they really? Yeah, do they? they? They do, yeah.
0: Uh, no, I honestly, I haven't heard the terms Canadian bacon since I moved here. Look at <laughs> it's,
1: that.
0: It's just pineapple and ham.
1: Yeah. Speaking, speaking of ignorance about Canada, here's something, Jenna, that has just been like constantly on my mind. Are, are, you, are you familiar with the, the Great White North, that comedy show that was running in the 80s? It, it eventually um, led to the movie Strange Brew. That's, that's, that's what more people know is the movie Strange Brew. It's Bob and Doug McKenzie.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were on SNL for a while, no? Exactly,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they voiced the... Either either those actors voiced the Moose Brothers in the movie Brother Bear, or they definitely modeled the Moose Brothers after those two actors, for sure. Like, it's definitely, like, a thing that's present in, culture in like, pop culture, right? is, is Bob and Doug McKenzie. They had this... It was this show called The Great White North. It was, like, this mock talk show where they would like be very, osteri- very stereotypical Canadians with like wild Canadian accents, you know, just like talking about hockey and beer uh, basically. So And I, no do
0: to boot it and that kind of thing. Exactly. No do to boot it. All that. You yeah. know.
1: Um, and so h- here's the thing. My, wife, my wife's friend had some Canadian friends who, no, my wife's cousin brought some Canadian friends to like a family Sunday dinner one night. And I thought, surely... Surely Bob and Doug McKenzie are like Canadian national treasures. You know, <laughs> I love that show. That was hilarious. You know, I, I thought, surely this is a known thing. Right. And so they were talking about where they were from. I think they're from Quebec. I'm not totally sure now. Honestly, it's been a minute, but I said, I just said something like, ah, down from the great white North, huh? The, the poisonous glares that I got from these people. <laughs> oh. And they were, it was like, it's not all white all the time. We have seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't, I just turned and went back to the hors d'oeuvres table, you know, like I I didn't know what to do from there. So, uh, did I commit a serious faux pas? Is it true? Is it really like, do you never hear anybody reference Bob and Doug McKenzie up there in Canada? Was I completely, or am I just like decades off from what actually is? Maybe that's the problem, right? Maybe my, my, my uh, pop culture references are too old. Maybe that's all it really is.
0: Well, and you thought Canadians were nice. Yeah.
1: I thought they'd they'd just chuckle. Even if it wasn't funny, even if it's wildly offensive, they'd still laugh and be nice about it. Right.
0: And apologize. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Tell me sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's offensive. I don't... Um,
1: I need you to weigh in for all Canadians and make me feel yeah, better about myself. really,
0: really. I, I don't... I mean, people have pretty much forgotten about it up here. It was never... I mean, SNL is not a Canadian show. It was never a super canadian thing to my knowledge but again like i moved here after that era i mean yeah red green is a good example of a canadian gem heritage export thing
1: i red i red green really is yeah absolutely like probably uh, i i hope that the brothers bob and doug mckenzie aren't listening to the show right now i suspect (laughs) what are the chances (laughs) but i think if i had to choose red green would definitely be my favorite I can't tell you how many times as a child I heard my my dad say I'm a man but I can change, but can change if I have if I to. have to I guess, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, man. okay wait Jenna, I wanted to talk to you more about bagpipes what is a tune that for you is evergreen something that you've been playing since you started and it's never got old or stale for you you still just love that tune
0: Hmm, Trees of North Uist.
1: I don't know that one.
0: Hmm. It's I'm pull that up. a 6-8 March. It's a four-parted 6-8 March. Okay. Uh, I like the tunes that are in minor, the little bit darker stuff. Mm. And this one's one of the really rare ones that's in E minor, or E Dorian, technically. So, yeah, just gorgeous melody.
1: Trees of, what was it again?
0: North Uist.
1: Like, as in the Fred Morrison tune, uh, Leaving Uist.
0: Yes. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to pull that one up and check it out.
0: Yeah, beautiful tune. And I Googled it eventually. North Uist is an island with no trees, as it turns out. So Interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't know if the title is ironic or if maybe there were trees there once upon a time.
1: Uh, that's where the Entwives were.
0: <laughs> That's it.
1: That's Maybe
0: Jeremy be. would know something more about that. I don't know.
1: Okay, now I feel silly because I see that this was in a set on the um, the Live from Down Under album that Simon Fraser University did. Oh, really? So I have heard it. I just didn't know it by that name. But I, I oh, still I didn't even know think that what it was. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into that. What about What about on the other end of the spectrum? Are there any tunes that, at this point, for you personally, you could just do without? You never want to play them again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd say Scott and the Brave is up there. I could do without it. Yeah. Um, I the thing about that is, as a performer and somebody who does a lot of ceremonies of all kinds, I want to give the the client give the ceremony what they want and do a good service, of course. You know? Yeah. And do what's appropriate to the occasion. So a lot of the time, Scott and the Brave is what's asked for. Scott and the Brave is what's appropriate and i get that but you know artistically mm, could do without it yeah it's, mm, it's having, been done
1: having played it so many times of course right that's it and some of those tunes like they kind of come and go too right like maybe maybe 10 years from now you'll be like ah i'm like rediscovering my love for scott and the brave who knows maybe it could happen eh,
0: maybe. maybe not <laughs> maybe not the the one tune that's always been a pet peeve though like i didn't like it from the beginning is green hills of tyrol
1: oh interesting
0: yeah. You? Do you like it?
1: I. I mean, like, I feel totally neutral about it. You know, like, yeah. having played it so many times in parades and stuff like that, it's it's one of those you know five or six tunes that like I think my fingers could play it and my brain could go somewhere else. You know. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, is that actually no? I'm, I get it. I get it mixed up with Baron Rocks if I don't have a chanter in my hand. Is it the one that's in three four or do I do I have that around?
0: That's the thing. It's in three four. da 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 yeah, da, right. da, da 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 da. But like. You the can melody dig into that grip
1: and throw at the beginning of that it can be kind of fun. <laughs> just, uh, I,
0: really I mean, when you're in mass bands, just grips on every single That's note. That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why not?
1: I'm the percussion section now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it th- like the thing about it being a three-four is the melody doesn't always suggest three four uh yeah and the drum score kind of sounds like a two four it just yeah, yeah that, uh, musically sure, it's yeah. really weird it, it's it feels weird. like when you're
1: marching you just have to accept that you're gonna feel like you're off you're on the wrong foot like every you know like oscillating between the right foot and the wrong you know
0: yeah that too That'd be really good that music.
1: too um now what about when it comes to listening to bagpipe music do you who's your favorite uh like like, and I'm thinking, like, who's who's a band or individual that you've always loved listening to? And also, like, what's on rotation right now? What's got you excited? What have you been listening to lately?
0: Mm, I've always enjoyed listening to... Well, the band is not together anymore, but uh, there was a band out of the Maritimes called Slanchova, Um with John McPhee. And before that, their piper was Bruce McPhee. But just, like, a phenomenal blend of sort of modern bass but with very celtic fiddle very traditional piping tunes but not well traditional celtic tunes but not necessarily specific to the pipes like they would take Mm. some of the other trad tunes like silver spear or things from like other instruments and adapt them onto the pipes Mm. um brebach does something in the same vein i'm really enjoying listening to them now um who else? E.J. Jones, I've gotten back into lately.
1: I don't Have know. Have you heard EJ of E.J. Jones? No.
0: He's he's in the U.S. I th- I want to, to say Eastern U.S., but I'm not sure. Um, there's like a
1: oh, he makes them too. He
0: makes them. There's like a bazooki in his trio band that he tours with. It's hmm. yeah.
1: Bazookis really, cool. really do sound great with pipes, don't they? They they got that kind it of drony thing going on. It, really
0: it works, yeah. Plus, you have the absolute sustain, undying sustain of bagpipes compared with a string instrument <laughs> that yeah. just naturally decays, right?
1: What 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 do you think there is about that, Jenna? Do you think that there's like a just like a setting in people's brains where like either they really love a drone versus they really don't so much, like. Because I feel like people who like bagpipes are really likely to really like other droney musics, too. But by by musics, I mean instruments, genres, pieces, etc., you know?
0: I think you're onto something there. Yeah. And I've wondered about why bagpipes are such a polarizing instrument. Why do people absolutely love it or absolutely hate it? Mm -hmm. I think it's a combination of the drone and also people's tolerance for how reedy and how intense an instrument it is Mm, yeah what do you think
1: yeah yeah and like that intensity can probably translate to volume and sometimes but maybe it's also something some other quality too that um it can maybe it gets overwhelming that there is a kind of sameness from tune to tune um and maybe that maybe that gets overwhelmingly boring i guess you know, like if you know it, if you know the instrument, and you know the music, you recognize the difference. You get excited when it switches tunes. But, you know, for a lot of folks listening to an MSR, they couldn't tell you where it switched to a Strass to a reel. You know, it's just all the same.
0: Yeah. And especially when 90% of what people are hearing in live bagpipe settings, which is parades, right? Mm-hmm. It, mass band tunes, they're in the same tempo yeah, that's They're true it's like often takes... in the same key yeah. the
1: sameness goes to an extreme
0: yeah totally yeah. um another piper who's a real inspiration of mine but she's not a highland piper she's a gaita player oh yeah um christina pato
1: yes oh i listen to her too I, I, yeah yeah i think she's amazing absolutely uh. i get really excited about gaita music and it's one of those things just like Illum piping where like i want to do it but like there is a cost barrier and I'm almost scared to try because, like, do I even have time at this point in my life? You know, will I die before I get anything satisfactory out of them? But, man, cool, cool music.
0: Yeah, plus the, the time investment that it takes to get to like a comfortable enough place that you can just pick up the instrument and play for fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, I'm not saying yeah. I want to become like a world renowned guy player. I just want to be able to like play it in a way that's satisfying to me where I can like make music. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. You know,
1: well, could I even get to that point before I die? I don't know if I could.
0: And I imagine you're one of those people like me, who's their own worst critics. So getting for it sure. to a satisfying point for you <laughs> takes a while, right?
1: Yeah, Totally. Yeah. Did you ever listen to that um, to that Chieftains album where they got together with some some gaita players, some traditional Spanish music players? Um, what was it called? Uh, Santiago, something to Santiago, Road to Santiago, or
0: Road to Santiago. Was that like the it? album where they had like each track was from a different part of the world, a different type of collaboration?
1: I bet that I bet that their work on this album came into that, but I think this one was like all with Spanish musicians, like it was like. The Chieftains do Spain, as it were. Okay. Uh, it was, it was oh, good. very cool. Here's the thing, Jenna. I came across it by accident, and this was that was actually kind of my intro to Gaeta's. Um I found the album in a bin at a at a like a Goodwill, and I was like, Oh, a Chieftains album I've never heard before. And I actually got it to as a gift for a friend. Uh, I was like, Oh, I'll give it to you know, will give it to Zach. It's his birthday coming up. It's bagpipes, you know. It's the Chieftains. He'll like it. And I popped it in the car to listen to it. While I was driving, and I was very confused. You know, I was like, like <laughs> Iberian Peninsula music, you know, I was like, I, I was expecting the British Isles, you know, like, what's going on here? And at first, it was just weird. But pretty quickly, it like got into me, you know, like, and it's maybe my favorite Chieftains album, personally, that they ever did at this point, you know, like, I really oh,
0: cool. Yeah, I'll definitely go give it a listen.
1: Yeah, we're checking out something, something, something Santiago, I'd imagine if you googled like Santiago Chieftains, it would come up somewhere.
0: Yeah, I know. I've seen the name somewhere. I think it's Road to Santiago. I think you're yeah, right. You're
1: probably right. So what about, um, do you you have any kind of like pre-performance ritual that like if you were talking to your students and they were getting ready to go go play their first funeral, what would be like some advice you might give to to a piper in that kind of situation? Arrive early. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The last thing
0: you (laughs) want is to be running late. (laughs) Have you ever done that?
1: I've showed up to a funeral late before and it still haunts me.
0: Oh, if we start getting into comparing stories of things that have gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> on gigs like <laughs> oh yeah there's a long list of stories there um yeah i've run late for funerals i i nearly forgot my bagpipes to a gig once but right, i did knew I, I realized in time to go get them and come back yeah um i forgot my kilt hose for a gig once that was interesting
1: yeah different but not as bad as forgetting your bagpipes
0: <laughs> it, well what happened was and i tell this to my students too because i think it's important to normalize that stuff goes wrong yeah for sure you know what uh, i included and i see other people freak out about nothing can go wrong well you know it, it it's going to go wrong at some point so you mm-hmm. just accept it and you learn to roll with the punches right yeah um so this time that i forgot my kill toes, uh, there was no way, there were no spares around. There was no way I could go get any socks that looked remotely similar. So it was a gig with jackets, and I took my do and I cut the sleeves off of my dress shirt. What? <laughs> and those, yeah, so I was wearing brogues with no socks and these kind of baggy looking... held up with flashes and just sort of stuffed them into my brogues the best I could. (laughs) Did
1: you go cuff side up or cuff side down?
0: Cuff side up so that the cuffs folded over the flashes just like the top of the sock. Except the problem is they're not, the cuffs are not wide enough so you could see this V in the back where they split and there's just this skin sticking out under the flash garter.
1: Oh. (laughs) Horrible. That's but great. Like I'm logging that away just in case I'm ever in the same situation. <laughs> great pro tip, just in case. And <laughs> if anybody asks, you just say it's traditional, right? Traditional it is somewhere, somewhere. You know,
0: it's just... tradition It's tradition. Yeah, it's a Denison tradition. There yes, many go. generations of my family have been doing this. That's yeah.
1: Still probably better than like there are probably some alternatives that could have been worse. So that's, I, I think that's pretty impressive thinking on your feet, right there. Honestly.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the one that haunts me the most was I, I got to a funeral gig on time, but I was only supposed to play for leading them out at the end of the ceremony. Mm. Um, and the ceremony ended a little ahead of time and I was downstairs tuning up. I missed uh, it. I oh, missed it. And so they, I like, felt... they
1: walked out and you were still in the tuning room. Yeah. And oh, I, I
0: found them in the reception hall after. And, you know, you just feel horrible. Yeah. Um, it's not like so... you can redo it. You can't redo it, but you do what you can to make it right. You play some music, you, um, you know, make a, a little ceremony in the reception hall to substitute for it. And, of course, I apologize profusely. And yeah. um, in that case, I just refused to take the payment for it because I, you know, just felt horrible. But the point is, you, you know, you do the best you can and it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You can't let something like that stop you from playing or anything like that. You got to keep going. Exactly. Yeah.
0: What about you? Any, like, uh, just unexpected... I mean, drone reads falling in the bag is a classic one, of course. Oh,
1: yeah. Classic. Yeah, I think probably the most painful for me was showing up late to a funeral. And, uh, Mm. I mean, like, in my defense, I got a call for this funeral that day. You know, they're like, hey, you know, like do you have anybody? Cause like, I also farm work out to other pipers here locally. Like, do you have anybody who could get there in like two hours? And I was like, ah, geez, I'll do my best, you know? But yeah, I, I got there and it was like, they were waiting for me, you know? And uh, so then it was like, jump out of the car, get the pipes out, tune them as I'm walking across the cemetery toward them. You know, it was definitely uh, not as nice as I would have liked it to be. That's for sure. I have a friend who says he threw up into his bagpipes once. Oh, i don't know if it's totally true maybe he just like had a little bit of those gurglies and managed to swallow back down or something but the way he told it 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 was like he threw up into his bagpipes but they still worked so he played through to the end and oh yeah oh oh. (laughs) maybe i shouldn't ask for details right (laughs) tell me more seasoning (laughs) yeah seasoning. seasoning uh do you do you have time to still nerd out about equipment with me jenna tell me about what what stuff you play yeah, I absolutely. I've keeping it for a minute, but I, I would I would love to hear like what kind of what kind of pipes do you have? What kind of drones do you use? What about your small pipes, your whistles? Tell me all about what you got, and also what do you dream of getting too?
0: Hmm. So I play a set by a little known maker named Ed Barnes. Uh, again, this is the Sweet Sixteen I got set as I got as a Sweet Sixteen present as a teenager. Um, he, the Pipe maker was living in Montreal at this time. Now he works with another maker and they're called McKay Barnes, uh, I think in Kingston, Ontario. Mm. So I play pipes by him. Uh, I use e- easy drone reads, you know, um, nothing fancy. Tried testing and true and I like the sound of them.
1: I was just talking to my buddy Swan just yesterday and he was telling me. Like uh, he was at Winter Storm uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, cool! A lot of the top players there—they pop their stuff open. It sounds like a lot of people have some something else going on with the base, but a lot of them have Easy Drone tenors, at least if not a full set of Easy Drones. Now, mm. There's no shame in using Easy Drones. It sounds like it's right up to the right up to the top of the top using Easy Drones.
0: I mean, they sound good. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I I gotta get to Winter Storm someday. Yeah, me too. It looks like so much fun. Yeah. So, what else? Yeah, what else? Um, Uh, uh,
1: Chanter, favorite chanter reeds? We don't want to be throwing any makers under the bus, of course. They're all good. But what do you play most of the time? And tell me about your small pipes and stuff, too.
0: Well, I've really never found a chanter reed I didn't like. Mm -hmm. Um, I really haven't bought the same one twice. uh, I've tried anything from McPhee to Husk to um, Warnock to uh i'm using a platinum right now with my band mm-hmm. um mcclellan i think we're playing with the other band right mm-hmm. now um they're all good yeah i've really been happy with everything that i've tried um sound supreme is kind of a go-to for me because they run a little on the easy side and i like an easier read mm-hmm. um what is, else i've is, got a...
1: is montreal like up pretty high above sea level or I mean, you're, you're getting not, you're not like right on the coast, but you're getting toward, you know, you're sloping off toward the east there. Is it down, down reasonably low or is it up so high that it causes you problems with your chanters and your reeds?
0: No, it's, uh, it's not high. It's not right at sea level, but it's, it's pretty low. Do you, do you have trouble with elevation? Have you noticed that?
1: Yeah, for sure. The, um, the, like the elevation chanter that, uh, that, uh, that is McClellan, right? McClellan elevation chanter. I think that's right. I've got one right here, so I should know right off the top of my head, um, but yeah, that has been kind of a, a helpful thing lately. Um, yeah, that's that's actually part of the reason that I started working with that chanter that I've been working on that that has like the high B and stuff like that. But it also has some accidental holes built into it. Um, mm. Look, I am gonna I am gonna get in serious trouble if I don't if I don't say the right maker for the elevation chanter. Holy moly, why can't? M- my mind goes blank sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is McClellan. You can edit okay. this out.
0: Just go look it up, yeah, come back. I have, back, all, the, we'll I have cut. all
1: the power. I can do that. It is McClellan, that's right. <laughs> Basically, it's like a shift in, the, in the, where the G is positioned. It's like up here, we can't... We, high G is like the main problem. Like you, just, you, can't get it, you, you can't get a high G to sound properly. Like you get a chanter and you have to immediately carve the high G hole down lower or just accept that it's going to be like nine tenths of the way covered with tape no matter what if you want to get it close to in tune.
0: Interesting. And cross
1: fingering doesn't work at all. You can't get a cross fingering, cross fingering thing to work for like a C natural or anything like that.
0: Oh, huh. So I've always had trouble with getting my high Gs to be flat enough too. But I don't like. I don't attribute it to elevation. I just thought it was just an issue yeah. for everybody.
1: Oh, maybe it is. Let's see. What's the what is the elevation in Scotland? Of course, it's going to change in the Highlands, right? Lowest point, of course, is at zero. Highest point is uh, about four thousand feet. It gets high. I'm oh, just thinking, like, where, where, where are these chanters being manufactured? You know what I mean? Like, if they're being manufactured at, you know, a thousand a thousand feet above sea level or lower, and then I take them up here to five thousand five hundred, you know, six thousand feet above sea level up here. I I figured that was part of it, but maybe it's not.
0: So, uh, Piper, I was chatting with suggested opening up the staple a touch with a new reed to uh, get that high G a little flatter and to get the also the false fingerings to be more in tune really? have you experimented with that
1: no but it's uh, i've got a whole pile of reeds here so i for for sure will Would you do you usually do you think you'd just put like some needle nose pliers up inside there to and just like kind of spread it a little bit to get it open a little
0: mm, i think needle nose pliers would be too wide but if you get an awl or What else? Yeah, something narrower than needle nose. Something
1: I could get in there in the first place, right? Yeah. Or maybe like maybe some electronic pliers that you know that are gonna be smaller. Something I can get up in there and just open it up, huh? Yeah, exactly. Because like I mess with the wood, of course, but I've never even thought to touch the staple. Yeah. Have I got the idea of a read-write in my head? The staple is the metal tube, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I haven't tried it myself. I've just heard that. Again, one of those dark magic things that nobody really understands why, but it seems to work.
1: Hmm. I'm going to give it a try. Not only do I have a bunch of new reeds, I also like never get rid of a reed because I figure they might resuscitate. So I've <laughs> yeah, got a they lot I can play with. Yeah.
0: Well, they totally do. I've noticed if a reed is absolutely croaky, dying, I put it in a box for at least a month, let it dry out thoroughly, and it seems to come back. It won't live as long the second time around, but I swear they come back.
1: Oh, yeah, I think they do. And, and I've got an outlier right now in my Chanter that's a G1 Platinum, that its second life has been longer than its first life. I don't know how long it was sitting, but it's actually that's doing amazing. better this time. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. If only they all would, huh? Great, Better better return on investment. <laughs> uh, Uh, What else? What what kind of... I know I see you playing small pipes. What kind of small pipes do you play?
0: Yeah, I've got some Walsh uh, D, just plastic small pipes. I play Um,
1: Walsh as well. I like them. I think they play really good. I do too. Uh, I think for the money, they sound great too. Like they're very, really warm and stuff, you know?
0: That's it. And the volume level, like something I'm really... struggling with is trying to find pipes that are just the right volume level for just specific occasions. Like if you're playing in a room of 50 people, then the D the, these Walsh small pipes work perfectly. If you're playing with acoustic instruments with a singer, perfect. But let's say I want to play for a room of 100, 150 people. I don't want to blow them out of the water with highland pipes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I want something that's going to cut through maybe you know 90 decibels of conversation room of conversation noise in a big restaurant so um, what do you think any uh pipe recommendations
1: well there's there's the uh there's the um there's the border pipes right the yeah it's a kind of an in-between thing i don't have any myself though i do feel like for, at least for me, they've, they've been an acquired taste. I've, I'm at a point now where, like, I love listening to them, and I would love to have a set. But for a while, they were too harsh for me, just, like, in general. Just, like, there was something about the 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 sound itself. I felt like it was kind of an unnecessary middle ground between nice, gentle, warm, small pipes and brash uh, Highland pipes. Like, well, I say that brash sounds like a really negative thing. I just mean, like, strong, loud yeah. Highland pipes. Yeah. I've come to Reading. where I really like them now. So I don't know if they do well at gigs, you know what I mean? Like, for playing as a background instrument, but um i also feel like i feel like those walsh d pipes probably do have more cutting through power than like the lower to the lower um pitched pipes
0: I that's true say. do, you, that's do true. you think
1: jenna do you think like you you're you are, you're you of a somewhat diminutive stature do you do you feel like like because i know like for me like i have like kind of sausage fingers they get in the way sometimes and like i have had d chanters in the past but like like I can't fit all my fingers on there very well. Like it gets really hard to play. Do you feel like you you kind of have like a superpower in that you can play a chanter like that cleanly <laughs> where some humans like just can't do it? Like they can't squash their sausage fingers on there enough, you know, to get like good good music out of it?
0: Yeah, well that's how I lucked into buying these small pipes was cuz somebody uh, get them could play them. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly awesome. what happened. Yeah.
1: I'm it's not, a perfect I'm not saying, fit for me. Like, I'm not saying that anybody should like subscribe. Like, there was that song, right? Like, short people got no reason to live, right? Like, I'm not saying anybody should subscribe to like the <laughs> idea that like being tall is, is like better, right? But, you know, does it feel special when you do find it? like, you know, maybe you go through your whole life never quite being able to reach the thing on the top shelf. You have to ask people for help and stuff like that. And like, you come across <laughs> this thing where it's like, I'm actually better at this than you guys because precisely because I'm small. You know what I mean? Does that feel great? <laughs>
0: totally well especially when you when you go through like i don't know 10 years of playing in bands and it's all these like the stereotypical big guys the military stereotype and the highland pipes reaching their shoulder (laughs) yeah totally and the the highland pipes you know the harder your read is the tougher you are and you just tough through it nah nah that's not how
1: it should be so what
0: else i i do have a set of border pipes actually oh you do have Um, border pipes
1: yeah, and what, what are they pitched at?
0: Um, they're at A four forty. They're air oh, pipes. Right yeah, it's the struggle I have with those is they're bellows blown,
1: yeah. And
0: border pipe reeds are very sensitive to pressure, mm. so it's really hard. It's one of those sets of pipes where I just have to invest, you know, daily practice into it to get a satisfying, steady sound out of it. Yeah. Uh, I have modified them to play mouth-blown, but the reed isn't made for that much humidity, and it just doesn't last long. Oh yeah. No.
1: Do, you, do you remember who made them?
0: Um, I bought these used, and there's no maker stamp on them. Oh, interesting. Them, so it's a mystery. I think they might also be washed, but I'm not sure.
1: Oh, right on. And what else? Do you have other? Do you have any other pipes there? There at your place right now, or or whistles, or anything else like that?
0: I've got a few whistles that I just dabble in. I wouldn't perform with it per se, but if mm-hmm. I need to do a little bit of backup and whistle is appropriate, I'll break them out. I also bought a melodica oh, a couple cool. of years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. I meant I didn't have to learn all the buttons for accordion, but I could get that accordion sound yeah, and yeah. join in with anybody. It's a lot of fun.
1: There was that artist, uh, John Baptiste. I don't know if you heard, if you ever heard yeah, of him. He, he yeah. did that Stay Human album that was so great. I heard him talking about his melodica playing once and he said something like like he was like a you know he's a great pianist like i think he went to juilliard for piano performance and stuff like that right Mm -hmm. but he said that like he was jealous when he saw other instrument other instrument players like able to like walk around and kind of like groove while they were playing and so he got a melodica and now he's like you know one of the best melodica players out there you know but that was his motivation for getting one
0: totally well that's one of the best things about bagpipes too is you just take it to the park yeah
1: just yeah. go anywhere with it you don't have to pack yeah. up your grand piano
0: yeah <laughs> yeah really
1: <laughs> or your pipe organ for that matter right <laughs> hey, your hammond which, though it's like having worked there do you do you play a lot of pipe organ yourself
0: no i took a couple of lessons just to sort of understand a bit more about how it works and the voicing and like the textures from it, but no, nah, not really. Yeah. I never got the, the foot movements down per se. Yeah. Oh
1: man. That's what slays me for sure. Yeah. I... You know, separate to make your foot do stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. No,
0: give me a piano pedal any day.
1: There you go. What, <laughs> what, what's your like dream bagpiping stuff? You know, like, would you, you, are you looking like dreaming of the day when you can get a, um, uh, Oh shoot. See, this is my mind going blank again. Who is it? Who makes the really nice electronic chanter? Like the the blair. blair. Yeah, the, the blares, yeah. Or or like some red pipes, or or you want another set of border pipes or illumin pipes. Like what's your dream thing?
0: Oh yeah, I've thought about getting a Blair. Yeah. That would be nice. A lot um, of your
1: experimentation thing, I feel like of course you could put that to good use. Use it as a MIDI controller and stuff like that, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I'm interested in experimenting with adding filters and distorting the bagpipe sound and the blare would just work so perfectly for yeah. that. Um, but honestly, I think the first thing I'll get before that is another chanter. Something, I don't know, I've kind of thought about getting a, maybe not a gaita, but some kind of chanter with some more extended range. Ilion pipes. Ilian pipes seem like a really good option, but again, the learning curve and all the different fingering, I don't know
1: yeah well listen if i can get this this extended range chanter of mine developed enough i'll get you one jenna because i'll need people to to mess with it and to experiment so there'll be at least least that
0: whenever you get those out i'll be all over it absolutely i'm looking forward to that
1: yeah well jenna you've given me an hour and a half of your time this weekend it's very kind of you and i do appreciate it i i don't want you to put like i don't want to like put you under pressure to like go out on like something deep and 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 important or anything like that. But uh, is there anything else that, that feels like it ought to be talked about? And maybe that with in mind, like bring us toward a graceful close.
0: Okay. Well, here's a philosophical debate. Nice light topic to end with. Okay. It's not going to be the
1: (laughs) trolley problem, is it? Please don't leave us with that. (laughs) Leave us all frustrated all weekend.
0: (laughs) Um, No, if, if you take like a, Let's say a recording of a blare, and you get into digital manipulation. If you're changing the notes or adding filters, like, is a bagpipe still a bagpipe? Is it still bagpipe music at that point? When is it no longer... mm, When is it synthetic? When does it become something new, you know what I mean?